Um, so uh, uh, great to have you back with us today. Um, I'm shared. Uh, I'm sharing this with Anna, which will be no great surprise to any of you who've joined previous podcasts. And so today we thought we'd talk a little bit about the IO Clinical Network. Um, it may be that you're listening to this podcast through the IO Clinical Network, or that you found it outside of it. Um, and so we just want to spend a few minutes just painted a picture for you on what the, the vision is behind the IO Clinical Network. And luckily, I've got Anna with me this morning, who's really the, the brains behind this concept. So, Anna, it's probably only fair that I let you kind of open and, and sell us where the idea of this came from and, and what you think the need is. Thanks, Ricky. Yeah, no, it's 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 actually becoming a labour of love of mine, I think. Um, so obviously, we you, you and, and, and some listeners already know that I... I've been sort of involved in the, the the care of immunotherapy patients for a long time. And I think one of the things that's really noticeable in the way that we practice generally in oncology is we're very site specific. You know, we identify by the type of cancer we treat as opposed to the fact that we're just oncologists in general. Um, and, and similarly, so do, so do nurses, you know, they 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 identify by the type of cancer their their CNSs or AMPs for. So I think one of the challenges and great things about immunotherapy at the same time is the fact that we know that it has potential and now realised potential to be very, very um, utilisable in multiple different cancer types. But that means that our support structure for um, complexities of care, treatment challenges, isn't really um, set up for something that's so pan-tumor. So, you know, we have got very siloed support processes. So we've got charity societies and um, various different organisations focused on the type of cancer you treat. And so the more I treat patients who are being treated with immunotherapy, the more I realise that actually there is a real need for us to be able to support the various nuances of immunotherapy. And, you know, I think that the fact that this podcast exists and there's so many um, different immunotherapy type um, resources and focused uh, education sessions etc there's a real difference in this patient group these 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 therapeutics are very different and they provide us with very different and very novel challenges and they're still doing that today even though I've been treating patients with checkpoint inhibitors for as long as they've been licensed you know there are still colleagues of ours that are literally just writing their first prescription today because it's going into new new settings and new um, new tumor groups so I think there is a real need for us to support um, our colleagues in, and therefore support patients by having a home for all things immunotherapy, partly to stop people reinventing the wheel, partly so they don't have to create all their own resources or try and create all their own protocols. But also we know that there are complexities in terms of the patient management processes, in terms of capacity, in terms of the in, you know, implementation of the, the studies and the, and the reimbursement that we now have. But also in terms of the toxicities and the and the, the need for acute review and potential admission or remission avoidance, actually. And there's nowhere that really does that. There's nowhere that kind of brings all those things together to say, I've got a problem with this type of therapeutic uh, and I need and I need to sort of voice the and, and sort of expand into the experience that others that have come before me have used. So, you know, those slightly unusual cases um how has anybody ever seen this this thing from as a result of immunotherapy the things we thought were rare are now no longer rare because we're treating so many people that actually even rare things become common um how do you get um your 
uh, ology colleagues involved? How do you build an MDT? How do you get that financed? How do you develop service? How do you write policy? All of these things need a home. And so that's really what the thought process behind the clinical network was to actually try and bring all of those things together with like minded individuals um, to try and expand out that experience. And then also that support network for anybody that is using immunotherapy or supporting patients with it. And uh, and it seems to be a, a theory and a, and a concept that people seem to quite like. We did a bit of a scoping session, which I know you were at in March last year. And I was quite surprised that, you know, the question I asked was, does this need to be about immunotherapy? Do we need something specific? And actually, although we know that we're going to be using them in combination with other, other SACT treatments, we know there's novel immunotherapies. I think that's the other thing that we really want to make sure that we're supporting people um, who want to implement new immunotherapies, not just checkpoint inhibitors. Um, but actually, the, uh, what I was really surprised by was that everybody we asked, and obviously we, we probably asked people that were quite motivated towards it, so it might have been a sort of slightly, slightly interesting echo chamber, but everybody was very clear that they felt they needed something that was very, very focused on immunotherapy with those adjuncts it, uh, added in. Which is which is great in terms of the fact that people share that view, but also I think it really illustrates the fact that we needed we had a need, and so we've gone on and sort of started setting it up as a result of that. I don't I don't know what your thoughts are behind it. Obviously, I've sort of carried you along on this journey and gone. You're you keen, and and you and your normal way have been very supportive. But be really interested to hear your thoughts about how it how it might grow and what it might what it might do and and serve in the most sort of uh, functional ways. Yeah, no, great. So, I mean, you know, just to say for the audience, so uh, we're currently in February 2023, and so the mar- the meeting was March 2022, because, uh, again, you, you may not know when you're listening to this. Um, and so, you know, I, I think for me, Anna, I, I think it's just really exciting. I think there's, you know, we were on the, the national IO education meeting yesterday, uh, which, you know, will hopefully continue to evolve. And what really struck me is lots of people are doing bits that are that are really interesting and really different or or actually sometimes the same as what I might be trying to do or you what you're trying to do and I think it's it's really just saying how do we unify some of those pieces and stop reinventing the wheel and I get but I guess my um you know I guess what what I would it, I guess it's easy for people like you and I who you know are very interested in this what about for the people who aren't necessarily key opinion leaders or you know are coming to IO for the first time let's say that they're not doctors they're not consultants do we do we see that they've got a home here as well and how do we get them more involved how do we make them feel part of the process Absolutely. I think one of the things about the IO network is it's meant to be for everyone. That's why that's why it's been set up. Multi-professional, multi um multi sort of specialty, but also sort of different um sort of levels of experience within oncology and within immunotherapy. The, the whole point is that it does that. And I think the idea behind it is that you can use or dip into it as much or as little as you want to. Um, I absolutely think that there's a there's a role for us having a, a trainee group or, you know, a, a non-consultant group. I think that's really important. I think one of the things that I've recognised certainly as a toxicity specialist is this group of therapeutics in the toxicities associated are are bridging um, some relationships between ourselves and our medical specialties and actually requiring some um, sort of ongoing medical knowledge that maybe oncology has been previously slightly more departed from so I think actually one of the key roles in it is it is it helping to support that education training knowledge confidence 
in those that are coming newly to immunotherapy, both actually our consultant colleagues who've not used it before because it's in, because it's new in their in their indications, but also um, those that those that are sort of uh, sort of on their journey in oncology, but but not yet um, got to consultancy. So yes, and we want to have interest groups. So one of the interest groups we really want to have is a is a trainee group, but we also want to have a pharmacy in, interest group, um, a nursing interest group, and and the idea behind all of those things is that we want to partner with existing organisations. So the idea of this network isn't to isn't to reinvent the wheel, and it certainly isn't to um, supersede or overshadow those those societies and and organisations that already exist. So the whole principle behind it is that we will we will partner with with other existing organisations. So at sort of a high level, thinking about sort of our main. Uh, areas of interest you know and our clinical side of things we want you know we're doing work with the acute oncology society with our sort of governance and policy hat on with we're, we're partnering with the uk sact board um, and we want to get um different specialty medical specialists involved and, and build a home for them so you know we want to partner with the the, you know, the cardio-oncology society the british gastroenterology society but at our sort of more sort of um the, the different individuals that are involved in our in in our sort of world you know we've talked and had conversations with partnering the bop from a pharmacy perspective, hoping to partner with UCONS from a nursing perspective, ACP and possibly RCR from a from a sort of a, an oncologist perspective. So the idea is not to be a standalone and sealed off entity. It's very much to be a hybrid where we where we bring all these different organisations together and say, actually, you've all got interest in immunotherapy as part of a very large spectrum of things you're interested in. Let's let's sort of work with you in this area, but in a very collaborative way, bringing about sort of joint working um, rather than us going okay we, we're, we're alone and we want to do this all on our own that's absolutely that's the complete opposite of what we want to do we want to bring everybody along with us and be either a very very easy touch point for those who have got a singular question I want to know where I can find out about an MDT in, in, in my part of the world or I've got this slightly bizarre um, uh, toxicity has anybody seen that before or I don't know how to manage mucositis are there any protocols for that that sort of soft touch dip in when you need it is one end of it and then the other end of it is obviously we're very keen for anybody that wants to do more within that these sort of drivers within working groups develop and be members members that are are doing project work that's the other end of it but it's for everyone and it's for to be as involved as you want to be you don't have to do anything you can do lots of things and we're open to everything within the middle Great. So, Anna, just to kind of bring this then to a conclusion, I know I've heard you speak about this a number of times. And for me, this feels like, and I, I think on the slide you present, there's sort of five main facets around clinical support, service development, research analysis, policy and governance, and then education and training. Maybe if we just go through each of them, one at a time, you take one, I take one, we'll just go around the five. And maybe just in 20 seconds or 30 seconds, I know that's not easy for either of us, say, you know, kind of what that means in terms of the clinical support or the service development. So maybe if we start with um, with you, tell, give me your kind of uh, headline thing about service development and what you see the IO Clinical Network bring into service development. I think that the, the challenge is really knowing how to get investment into service and how you build and design your service. We know that immunotherapy requires um, quite a lot of support. The patients require quite a lot of support, both in terms of 
capacity to actually get us to give the treatment and also management if they get toxicities. And so I view the IO network as a as a sort of meeting of all of those different models that people have people have in, introduced. Advice in terms of how to get traction with your organisations to try and um, understand why we need more investment in service for immunotherapy, and also look at the various different case studies, the way that people have done it, and whether that would fit for you. Because this very much is not a one size fits all, and what fits in a big organisation with a big population won't work for a smaller organisation with a smaller population. So it's about understanding what the various options are out there and how people have got to the point where they've managed to gain funding and, and investment so that you can work out how you do that in your in your own setting and support and probably also by connecting people to have conversations about those things as well. Good. OK, uh, slightly over, but I'll let you have it. Not so if bad, I take research, <laughs> if I take research and analysis, I think for me, it feels like that there's lots of um, there's lots of questions we need to answer. So, you know, we've been using steroids and, you know, most of our guidance are, are fairly similar. But I think there's a lot of questions for me. You know, if I just pick gastro, because I'm not going to try not to run over. I think there's the question about infliximab. There's the questions about vedalizumab. There's, there's, there's questions about access even to those kind of treatments. And, you know, I think liver is a similar kind of, you know, bed of activity in terms of, you know, when we should be using things like mycophenolate, should we be using them up front? So I think there's lots of questions that have maybe just gone under the radar and we're somewhat just doing what, what we've always done. Anna, let me give you policy and governance. I think this is really interesting in the fact that we don't have that much absolute policy about um, uh, immunotherapy in the UK. And actually, we need that. We need that that shining light. We need to work with NHS England and other and other bodies to try and get to the point where there's some standardisation of, of care expectation, service specification, um, and also implementation of things, because partly because the evidence is relatively limited. And quite a lot of what we do is based on um, uh, sort of the, the sort of the consensus statement approach, but also assimilating a lot of stuff that evidence is either retrospective or small study. So we need to get to the point where we've got good, good, robust policies um, and, and and can guide people about how them how things would would be done in in the best way. And the idea of using the network is that we can collate all all of the sort of the activity that's happening now, and then work with the UK SAC board and their and their partners um, to to make sure that we're creating robust guidelines for for people managing patients. On immunotherapy in the UK. Great okay um, so education and training you know is clearly something that I feel particularly passionate about and I think the education and training you know there's a few things hopefully the podcast is going to add to that that we're doing already but I think it's about looking wider for me Anna and it's about thinking about medical students who will be our next doctors thinking about primary care I think maybe are somewhat forgotten sometimes in terms of managing the side effects when patients have finished their treatment um, and I think it's joining this together I think there's a lot of educational bits that are going on but I'm not sure that we've really got a program of education um, which you know is sustainable and, and I know you and I are involved in a number of bits but I think for me it's about almost a scoping exercise of what's going on out there I'm sure people are doing things we don't know about and actually trying to celebrate some of those things and bring them together and then finally Anna just tell me clinical support in terms of what you see that uh, arm being I think this is probably the most multifaceted part of the network in terms of the things that it looks to do. I think it looks to bring groups of like-minded individuals and different specialties and different settings together. 
I think it's about understanding the clinical spectrum that we see and understanding how how different things manifest themselves and supporting people managing patients in in the real time. And then more latterly and and sort of slightly uh, sort of novelly, I think it's about the clinical support of using things like the therapeutics that we haven't used before. So I was at a meeting last week and somebody said, oh, this is actually a subspecialty in its own right, the, you know, the management of toxicity. And I thought that was quite interesting. I may not be the case at the moment, but there certainly needs to be some consideration. But helping people write their clinical protocols for MMF, helping people work with the rheumatologist to write their methotrexate protocols for cancer centres, all of those things actually most most centres don't have at the moment. So it's about that very um, at the you know at the coal face clinical conundrums that we have, and, and longer term what we would like to build and are looking to hopefully create is a database of complex and unusual toxicity. So rather than having to look for a case report that you happen to have a junior doctor that wants to write up, actually there's a very quick reference way of saying there is you know there are these issues that we've seen. And the other thing that we're doing at the moment is sort of scoping out building a relationship internationally with other groups that have done this in other countries so certainly looking at those colleagues in France and Germany and Australia uh, but also uh, anywhere else that, that are looking to partner so that we can build that clinical network broadly not just necessarily with it within our own regions. Beautiful so great so look I think we'll bring this to a conclusion I guess if you're not watching this on the website I think the website Anna is www.ioclinicalnetwork.co.uk is that right? right that's right please do visit and join us that would be great perfect okay well great and 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 hopefully we will continue to develop the momentum as we go so thank you Anna great to talk about this and really looking forward to building it going forward thanks Ricky great to talk